everyone. This is Hello. Crystal. This is Kat. And welcome back to Alternative Interest. I was, I, was a like, little, I was a little too eager, jumped in while you were talking, but it's okay. I was like, ah. It's like, don't do it. Don't do it. And the, no one else can see this, but she's sitting there with her mouth like wide open. I tried to stop myself about to eat her microphone (laughs) grin. So I am just going to jump right into this week's episode because it's another long one. And if I don't want it to be two parts, we got to get through it quick. Please do. I mean, not please do get to it quick, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. So uh, today we are going to be talking about James William Perillo. Ooh. So um, just before Christmas in 1993, a woman named Valerie was going about her regular life. She was a mother of two daughters and she worked as a clerk at a Sheffield truck stop in Ocala, Florida. Okay. One night while she's working, she's going about her usual duties. A young man, reasonably attractive, uh, comes in and he is deaf and mute. Oh. And so he's communicating to her via written notes. And he's explaining, hey, you know, my truck broke down. I'm just waiting for a friend to send me $800 because he didn't have the money on him. Mm -hmm. So they kind of hang out together for the night. Can I ask... Can I ask really quick a totally dumb question? Okay. I, is it, isn't it dangerous to, to drive if you're, if you're deaf? Because you can't hear like cars (laughs) honking. I mean, you can't, but you also have eyes to see. (laughs) See, I knew as I was in my head, as I was thinking about this question, I, again, I was like, don't do it. Don't ask. It's a dumb question. But then I'm like, just out of curiosity. Okay. I, I was just like, man, that's a pretty dangerous thing to do. But um, people do it every day. It's yes. Okay. 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 <laughs> um. Anyway, uh, this man and Valerie end up sitting together at the truck stop until 4 a.m. Oh, wow. And they're just talking back and forth with handwritten notes to each other. Okay. So he explains that his name is Anthony DeCampo. And he said that his hearing loss was actually from when he served in the Persian Gulf War as a Navy SEAL. Hmm. Oh, wow. He was shot, and that's what led to his deafness. He specifically referred to the deafness being caused by that. I don't know if he's mute because he just doesn't feel like speaking. Oh, wow. But he doesn't speak. He doesn't hear. Wow. And being a Navy SEAL, that's a big deal. Yeah. There's a lot of training in that. So he was also... Um, during the Persian Gulf War, he was awarded the Purple Heart and a Navy Cross. And the Navy Cross is the second most distinguished honor okay. that the Navy awards. So, I mean, okay. this guy is decorated, definitely a war hero. Okay. 
He said he was a millionaire from an Italian family and that he knew Japanese and Italian. Uh, I don't know. So, I mean, he's he's impressive. And uh, the description of this guy, he definitely has an olive complexion. So it's believable that he is Italian. This all sounds very impressive, but I don't know. I like that your creep meter's going off. Uh, my creep meter totally. <laughs> as soon as you said millionaire from an Italian family, that's when I'm like, okay. Well, that'll come up in a second. Okay. So, Keep going. As they're talking that night, apparently Anthony, and I'm going to call him Tony from here on out. Mm-hmm. Tony is just enamored with Valerie. So that same night, he writes her a little love note and he says, will you marry me? Nope. Uh-uh. See, I already had a little red flag like waving, but now this is like a huge red flag. So I hope she was like, no, thanks. So Valerie had actually just gotten out of a six year long relationship with the father of her, one of her daughters. She was not looking for something. So she was like, no, uh, no, no, thanks. That's very sweet of you. Thanks, but Valerie. Um, apparently... And this does not surprise me. Apparently, someone who is deaf and mute can be the target for some not so nice criticism from other truckers. Oh. So by 4 a.m., he had not received this money that he was expecting to have wired to him. And she did not want to leave him alone there. So she said, hey, you know, you're stranded out here far from home come stay the night at my house. Just, I want you to be safe. Okay. And she sounds so sweet. Like, well, uh, at first I was like props to Valerie. She's, she's being smart, but now I seriously doubt her, uh, intuition. Well, so I guess her family said that this is just who she was. She had a huge heart. She just really wanted to take care of other people. This seems like a extending a little too far. Well, see, there's the problem right there. I guess I do not have a huge heart (laughs) because I'd be like, okay, bye. (laughs) Um, I think I also I failed to mention I think I failed to mention this was the week before Christmas when most people who are not Grinches kind of feel a little (laughs) extra nice towards other people. What? (laughs) People do that? (laughs) The holiday season can make people feel some type of way. Uh. All right. Maybe not you or me. (laughs) (laughs) Some people. Some people like Valerie. Well, I'm glad there's people like that in the world, I guess. I don't know. Um, So anyway, he ended up staying with her for a few days. And on Christmas Eve, Valerie's mother, Mary, showed up for a planned visit. She was planning on coming from elsewhere in Florida to come visit. And so... Tony starts talking with Mary through notes and just Mm -hmm. sharing his life story, just getting to know them. And he admits to Mary that his father was kind of a major player in the mafia. And this explains the whole Italian millionaire thing. Okay. Can I say like when we're talking about all these notes and the things, I mean, this is a lot of note writing. Like who has time for this? He's deaf and mute. And that's his only way of communicating. Well, I, yeah, I understand that. But see, I would have been like, oh, okay, then I guess we're not talking. 
<laughs> I guess I guess we have nothing to say to each other because silence is the, acceptable. Yeah, exactly. That's what I would be like. Cool. You're not gonna bother me. So sweet. I yeah, like stay stay know, for a few days. You know, same. Because I'm like, oh God, one less person I have to talk to. Except I know exactly. sign language. So I can't oh, even. Man. Yeah. I'd be like, cool. So you're actually going to be here, but not talk to me. Dream come true. <laughs> so um, Tony said that his father was a major player in the mafia. And his father was kind of pressuring him to, like, take a bigger role in the mafia. But he didn't want to. And he actually wanted to get out. So, you know, I feel like you're Uh, on the same page as Valerie here. Yeah. Because Valerie didn't really. She's like, ah, I don't know about this story. Round of applause for Valerie now. Starting to like her again. So on December 26th, he actually fell and hit his head pretty bad like bleeding badly oh and he ended up in the hospital do we know how he felt like I, what happened i don't just a I'm fall really sure. okay but it was it was serious like okay he ended up in the hospital and he came home and like miracle of miracles he can hear again oh because he fell and hit his head and now he can hear yeah, so Mary, Valerie's mother, was like, huh? I think well, all of us are like, huh? Wait, can I ask a question? Was Valerie there when he fell? And was, did she see him actually go to the hospital? I don't know if she was there when he fell, but she spoke to his doctor. Okay. So, and the doctor was actually like, yeah, like this is entirely possible. I've seen oh. this in the past where depending on how severe his original trauma was and how severe this fall was, they could like undo whatever was damaged before, which is crazy to me. That is crazy. So he can talk now. Yep. He can talk and he can hear now. Bye, Tony. (laughs) You can talk now. See ya. I don't want to (laughs) talk. Well, not yet. Ah, man. Shoot. December 27th. Valerie was at work. And Tony tells Mary. So Valerie's at work. Tony and Mary and Valerie's two daughters are at home. Tony tells Mary, hey, there's a hitman after me because I'm trying to get out of the mafia. He's like, I spotted them a few days ago. They know I'm here. And now all of us are in danger. (laughs) So like literally. Literally within minutes, Mary and Tony and the two daughters load up in Mary's vehicle. They go pick up Val from work and they run. Wow. All they're just they're gone. Uh, This is crazy. So Tony explains like, hey, you know, I said my father was a, a key player. He can call off this hit. Let's go to him. We'll sort this out. So they head off for Tampa. Where Tony's dad lives. Yes. Okay. Well, once they arrive in Tampa, they can't locate Tony's dad. Weird. Right? This is so shocking to me. Oh, my goodness. So while they're in Tampa, they spend their time bouncing from motel to motel. And the whole time Tony is relocating them around, he's saying, you know, a hitman found us. We got to go. They found us now. We got to go. This guy. 
So five people, three adults, two children, renting rooms in different motels every night, I imagine racks up a, a pretty hefty bill pretty but, fast. But Tony's a millionaire. Yes. But guess what Tony's not doing? Oh, is he not paying? Not at all. Oh, my gosh. Can you hear the shock in my voice? Yes. (laughs) um, Mary was the one withdrawing cash and paying for the rooms. Of course. Tony was like, yeah, I, I promise I will pay you back when everything cools down. But Mary needs to. And then but he's like, but Mary, you need to keep paying. And this was never really explained, but I I am making the assumption that Tony was like, I can't leave behind a paper trail, so I need you to pay to like cover up my tracks. Ugh, gosh. So this is about a week after they had run, and Mary's husband, Rick, is starting to get a little suspicious. He hasn't heard from his wife. He hasn't heard from his daughter. Wait, for a week, Rick has not heard... From his wife or his daughter. And they're like, so Rick, one, he reports his wife missing, which go Rick. And okay. two, he shuts down her ATM and credit cards. Good. And then Rick, who is like rootin' tootin' cowboy here, he grabs a gun, gets in his car, and he drives to Tampa because he's been watching the charges on Mary's card. And he's like, I'm going to Tampa. I'm going to find my wife. Well, exactly. I can't believe Rick didn't think of this a couple of days prior, especially when he didn't hear from Rick. I mean, from Mary or Valerie. I'm not sure what, but we have to remember this was like the early 90s. Okay. We don't all have cell phones. We're probably not in constant communication. So it might be normal to go a couple days without hearing from them. And we don't have common sense. I forget that wasn't around in the 90s. (laughs) We're from Florida. (laughs) Okay. So the oh, next, that's right, Florida too. I so the next day was January second, and again Mary goes to an ATM to try and withdraw some cash. The ATM eats her card, and of course. well, this is um, I guess a security precaution that if you can't, I I don't know if this still exists, but back then, if you canceled a, a ATM card and someone went to try and use it, the ATM would hold the card. They wouldn't give it back so that it's not in your hands anymore. Cool. Yeah. Tony said that this was proof that the hitman had found them and they needed to move. Oh, my gosh. So I I said that when they left Valerie's house, they were in Mary's car. Uh Mary's car was actually like a new Camaro, like nice car. Yeah. And uh, that's the still that's the car that they were still driving. Like they hadn't switched vehicles. If I was running from the mafia, I might have switched vehicles, but whatever. I mean, of course, the mafia. So as they are pulling out of the parking lot from the ATM that had taken Mary's card, Rick happens to be he's like just arriving and he sees the car pull out. He's like, that's my wife's car. So he whips around. and He starts following them. Oh, Tony's not stupid. And he I know he saw this. So he says, Valerie, is anyone following us? Valerie turns and she's like, um, yeah, someone's following us. Doesn't she recognize her husband's car and her husband? Valerie is uh, the daughter. Oh, so doesn't she recognize her dad's car? And it's her stepdad. Oh, and she doesn't know his car. 
Okay. And so Tony is like, everybody get down. Tony lucked out. He did. And so this happened so fast. Mary didn't even look at the car. So she didn't even know. No. So everyone's heads are down. Rick is in pursuit. Tony's trying to get away. And now every everyone is like convinced. They're like, well, shit, the mafia is after us. Yeah, now they are. Yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, Rick is trying to think of whatever he can do because it's obvious that this is not his wife driving. Exactly. So he's like, what what can I do? He's trying to like block the vehicle. He's trying to get around it. Tony is just maneuvering around him. And I, I'm not imagining like a high speed chase, but more like a like a road rage kind yeah. of if I saw this happening I'd be like man they're uh-huh. about to pull over and throw down like I've yeah. seen stuff like this so Rick decides out of like pure desperation he wants to try and shoot the tires oh to get them no to stop. this is gonna convince them even more yes Oh, Tony got lucky yes and now uh. Mary and Val are like holy shit we yeah, doubted this convinced. guy. Yeah. Yes. Ugh. Tony is now kind of feeling the heat. So I don't, there's not a whole lot of detail on this, but somehow I'm, he must have lost Rick at some point and taken uh, Valerie back to the hotel because he took Mary and the two daughters and just dumped them at the airport. What? Yeah. And then he goes back to Valerie and he says that a quote unquote associate took Mary and her daughters. Oh, my gosh. So now Valerie is thinking that the mafia has her mother and her daughters. And Tony is saying that they need to run because the associate got these three. They're they're going to get us. They're coming for us next. Oh, my gosh. This is an insane story. Yeah, so Valerie thinks, um, in hindsight, because Valerie does get away from this guy eventually, in hindsight, she says that she thinks that Tony was giving her extra doses of her anxiety medication and that it was kind of altering her ability to resist his manipulation. Oh, interesting. By the time she ran out of medication, he was just using fear to control her. So he said that if... She left her mother and her daughters would be killed. So, of course, this woman is like, I will run with you. I don't want my family to die. So there's not a whole lot of details known about their time together, except for the fact that they were constantly on the run. What money were they using out of curiosity? Valerie's credit cards were paying for everything. Of course. So she described him as like a Jekyll and Hyde. And what's horrible is he would beat her like savagely. He sexually abused her. He forced her to steal like they didn't say what he just said. They forced her to steal for him. And for months they were bouncing from motel to motel. That sucks. At one point, Tony beat her so badly she was bleeding from her ears. Ugh. And so Tony, because, you know, he takes care of his women, he took her to a hospital. And Val was so terrified 
that someone would report this and the mafia would hear. And she said that Tony had not beaten her. It was just an accident. And they kept running together. So she's still in it. She still believes, obviously. And this is months down the road. This is insane. I saw a couple of different reports. I saw one report that said it was Easter Sunday of that year. So remember, she met this guy right before Christmas 1993. Yeah. And now we're, we're in Easter? Easter Sunday 1994. Wow. I looked up when Easter Sunday was that year. Uh-huh. And it was April 3rd. Okay. One of the articles I read said it was April 11th. Oh, okay. So Interesting. I, I don't know... But we're talking early April 1994. Okay. Um, do we, did you ever mention how old her daughters were at all? I don't think it was said anywhere. Okay. Okay. I was just interested, like, if they were older or younger. So, early April 1994, Tony and Valerie were staying at the Tutwheeler Hotel in Burlingham, Birmingham, Alabama. I don't know exactly where Tony was. My assumption based on other things I'm going to say later in the story is that Tony left her alone in the room. Val tried calling home and Mary answered the phone. Oh, good. Mary and the daughters are perfectly fine. Oh, good. And that's when it clicked for her that this entire time, this whole thing was a lie. Yeah. So, she I wonder if fast. Mary knew that 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 was a lie at that point too, or if she found out before, like when I, I Valerie feel like she had to have known. Yeah, yeah, so, but couldn't get a hold of Valerie. Yeah, th- no one knows where she is. Yeah, okay. So Valerie thinks very very quickly, and she runs to a bellman, and she's like, "You need to get me away from here right now. The man I'm rooming with is deranged." So I guess something about her tone, because you're working in a hotel, someone comes up to you like this, you're like, okay, lady, let's get you back to your room. Yeah. I guess something about her was just crazy enough that he was like, I believe you. Good. So he gets the hotel manager involved and they get Valerie into the back of a hotel courtesy van and they hide her on the floor. Nice. Like, within minutes of them getting her into this van, Tony comes mm-hmm. down to the front desk, and he's like, did any of you see the woman I was with? Mm-hmm. I can't find... And uh, the manager had already told everyone, like, you lie if someone Good. looks for her. Good. Like, none of you saw her. None of you know anything. Good. So the front desk staff were like, no, we haven't seen her. So Tony goes up to his room. He grabs a backpack of his things and he leaves. What? He just leaves at because he of knows Valerie's things are in that room, and yeah. he just leaves. And he probably because I think he knows. Yeah, yeah. So meanwhile, while the hotel staff is hiding Valerie, they're calling the police. Literally five minutes after he walks out the door, the police get there. Oh man! So they send everyone out. They're canvassing the area. No one is able to find Tony. Oh, man. I kind of wish like they would have said, oh, yeah, she just she like is in the gift shop or like stalled him. Do you know what I'm saying in some way? But at that point, like, I don't know 
I think it's a better stall to say, oh, no, we don't we didn't see her. Yeah, because I guess she could be she could be somewhere like I don't I don't know. I or they like- could have they could have pretended they were mute and deaf <laughs> <laughs> and just started writing notes like but in Spanish <laughs> in Alabama. Okay. I, feel like Spanish is- <laughs> I know, but that would have just made it better. Like, okay, what? <laughs> You're enjoying this too yeah. much. Okay, go on. So after Valerie is reunited with her family, she's like, this guy is still out there. And uh-huh. he seemed so comfortable doing this to her. She's like, he's doing this to someone else. Of course. So she's she's calling all the news media. She called America's Most Wanted. She called a bunch. Of, she I think she called the Oprah Winfrey show. Oh, she was wow. like, someone please put his name out there. Yeah. So finally, on November 1st, 1996, Unsolved Mysteries did a, an episode on this. Nice. So I spent hours looking for this episode. I was going to say, did you watch it? I saw it doesn't exist anymore. Oh, no. I found archived information about the season and episode. I found the description that used to exist. I found an archived Unsolved Mysteries page with Tony DeCampo's um, profile. Yeah. I cannot find the original episode. Oh, that sucks. But... This this information is kind of what came out. So okay. police were looking for him at the time. And after Unsolved Mysteries came out, they realized Tony DeCampo is not his real name. Shocker. Well, he is known to use as many as 13 different aliases. Oh, this guy. All of them lead nowhere. Oh, gosh. I hate that he's so good. He is good. Yeah. So uh, what they were able to do is because Valerie spent so much time with him, she was able to describe all of his tattoos. Oh, nice. And I'm not going to go into detail about all of them because they're not important. Uh huh. What What is important is he did have a Navy tattoo. Okay. Um, it was a seal with like an anchor. Oh, all right. He also had five names tattooed on him at the time. These were Star, Cricket, Tamara, Angela, and Val. Oh, interesting names. I'm wondering if Val was tattooed on him while they were running. Oh, for Valerie. Yeah, that's good. Right. I kind of want to meet Cricket. I do enjoy that name. For <laughs> She sounds fun. So does Star. Uh, interesting. They sound see, like when I think of cricket, I think of um, the woman who was involved with uh, Charles Ng. Who? Oh man, we're gonna cover Charles Ng at one oh, point because that oh my dude gosh. is fucked up. Oh, you're gonna ruin the name cricket for me. Oh what yeah, if- cricket's pretty fucked up too. Yeah. After Unsolved Mysteries came out, they were actually able to find some answers. They tracked down Tony and they found out his actual real name. And his real name is James William Perillo. Okay. So this whole story was really crazy and it gets worse. What? It gets worse. 
I'm going to tell uh, you right now, this Unsolved Mysteries episode and this whole story, this is not how I found out about this guy. Okay. I'll tell you later how I found out about him. But okay. like this Unsolved Mysteries thing, I found this while I was researching him. Which oh, is wow. Crazy. That is crazy. So I'm going to try and go through his life and crimes in chronological order. And I have to give like massive credit to uh, Brandy 666 because she put together a very comprehensive timeline. And that is how I found all this information. Like it's crazy how much this girl was able to put together. Woman. I have to say woman because I think she was like 50. Thanks to Brandy. Okay. So like I said, James uses a lot of different names. Um, James, Jay, Will, William, Tony, Anthony, Anthony. I'm going to call him James. Um, He was no, like throughout all these stories, he used a different name at the time, but it's going to get really, really confusing. So I'm just going to call him James. Okay. So we know that he was born on January 27th, 1966. In 1984, he had a son. Oh. Um, I don't know anything about the mother. I only know that he had a son. I'm not going to say the son's name because it's not important. Okay. Sometime in 1986, he was serving some time in the Chelan City Regional Jail in Wenatchee, Washington for check fraud. Okay. While he was there, he befriended a woman. Her name is unknown. I think she wanted to stay um, anonymous. Uh-huh. Somehow, he convinced this woman to let him take her daughter on several road trips with him. Uh, that's crazy. Um, the woman's daughter, her name is not disclosed. She's only known as C. And her age is not disclosed. Based on the information about her, I feel like she might have been a minor. I think so. But like a a teenager because she had a boyfriend when she first, like when her mom first met Jane. So like 16, 17, still a minor. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Um, He took her first to uh, Big Bear, California, and then he took her on another trip to New York. Okay. He had her for a year. Wow. Um, Same kind of thing. He sexually abused her. These two had a daughter together. James and this girl? Yes. Oh, wow. And C, her name is C, escaped Uh from him in San Jose, California. With with her daughter? With the baby, yes. Okay. Okay, good. That's all I know about this girl. Well, I hope she left and was able to rebuild. I'm wondering if this might be cricket, like C for cricket. Oh, I didn't even, I wouldn't even put that together. Interesting. Well, because, and the only reason I say this, and I want to be very, very clear, there's nothing out there that says this girl's name. Uh-huh. Just that C. She's Just known as C. C. Uh-huh. And okay. there's nothing out there that says the tattoo Val was Valerie. Okay. Yeah. That's just you're you're just inferring. That that's just my guess. Okay. Um. So then, 1988, he was in Pasadena, California, and he met a woman who was interning as a youth minister. So at some point, he begged this woman for a ride to the airport. While they're on the way to the airport, he says, "Oh my God, a mafia hitman is following us." 
you need to run with me. Of course. So he also says that, oh my God, he forces her to marry him. What? He says it's for her safety. I don't I thought, know. I thought they were just, she was just giving him a ride to the airport. Well, now they're on the run together from the mafia and you got to marry me. Oh my gosh. I don't know. Insane. Then he forces her. He takes her address book because this is the 80s. We have address books. And he says, I need you. Not I need. He's like, you are going to call every person here and ask them for money. Ugh. Because they need to fund this. Um, this run from the mafia. Yep. I will say um, her name is out there. I am not going to say it. Okay. Because one of the articles I read said that she asked to remain anonymous. Okay. So if you guys are interested, you can find her name. I won't say it. She said afterwards they lived at 20 different addresses over the next three years. She was with them for three years? Yeah. Because he told her if she left, he would have the mafia hunt down her family. And Jeez. kill them. So one night in 1991, finally, they were in a hotel room. He was asleep. And she said, you know what? This is enough. And she ran out. Good for her. In 1993, she had their marriage annulled. Good. And that is how you can find her name if you're interested in her name. Because her name is on the annulment documents. The only thing I'll say about her name is that it corresponds with a tattoo. Oh. And that's why I'm also thinking C might be Cricket and Valerie mm-hmm. might be Val. Maybe Val. Yeah. He um, just keeps the little list on, on himself. Um, can I ask a question? For a marriage to be annulled, do you need both signatures of both people that were married? You know, I'm not sure. Annulment works different than divorce does. Okay. Um, you need different circumstances for an annulment. And an annulment is... Um, so when you're divorced, all the legal documents that existed about the marriage still exist. Yeah. When a marriage is annulled, all of them disappear. Yeah. And I was, and I know annulment is different in every state, like the conditions and the, what it needs to be. But I was also under the impression, cause you said they were together for three years. Mm-hmm. And since she was just giving him a ride to the airport and ended up marrying him like right then, um, I thought like only marriages that lasted like less than, it let's has say to be like a, year, a couple months. Yeah. Is what I thought. Yeah, that's what I thought too. That's why I was interested in this one. Because it's an annulment, all Uh of those records disappear. Yeah. The only thing that exists is you have an annulment. Yeah. It doesn't say anything about how she got it or um, the circumstances. circumstances, It's just she got it. And the interesting thing is she got it in Texas. Oh. Not California or wherever yeah california where he met her okay so it's just, it's interesting yeah so in 1993-94 that's when the whole thing with valerie took place in july of 1994 now april 1994 is when he did the whole thing with valerie 
July 1994, James was in Florida. Okay. Police were called to investigate a complaint of a suspicious person on the beach in... I saw Fort Lauderdale and I saw Daytona Beach. Okay. I don't, I don't know how close... I don't know Florida geography. I'm really sorry. Um, so James, of course, is running from the police. And about 4 a.m., he climbs on a $17 million <laughs> yacht. Oh, my goodness. And, this guy. And he holds the captain, his wife, and seven crew members hostage at gunpoint. Is this guy like a big, like, like guy that can like easily, that's a big group of people too. So he's about 6'1". Okay. Current photos of him have him as balding and he's, he looks like a guy that you don't want to mess with. Okay. Okay. I just wanted to make sure like what kind of, No, he's, he's not some kind of shrinking violet. He's tall. He's, he's in decently good shape. Um, he is charming as hell. Okay. okay. And if he wants to be scary, he can be scary. That makes sense. So the captain of this boat, I just, I only saw a couple of articles with this guy, but I really like this guy. Um, so he said that about an hour after James came on board, he got permission to let the crew off the boat. So at about 5 a.m., all the crew walks off the boat. I don't, it didn't say his wife walked off with them. I am assuming she walked off with them. Okay. So James and the captain sat together while a police negotiator talked to James over a phone. The captain said James called him sir. He seemed familiar with weapons. He had that tattoo. Yeah. And so when James told him that he used to be a Navy SEAL, yeah. this guy believed him. And what he said is, hey, man, you know, I just took a big bottle of pills. I'm just waiting for them to take effect. I'm really sorry you're here right now. I'm just trying to die. Oh, gosh. So honestly, at this point, like. If you've taken a bottle of pills, you're claiming to yeah, take that's a bottle what of pills. Yeah, that, that's what I am. You still functioning. And it's functioning. been an hour. Yeah. Either you're lying or or you took some gummy vitamins. I don't know. <laughs> um, so finally, finally, James is just like, you know what? I, I'm going to say goodbye to you. You can get off the boat. And he was basically like, I'm going to shoot myself. <laughs> And the captain, this is, I, I love this guy so much. So he said that he and James were just like sitting there smoking together, talking. He said he seemed like a really great guy, even though he's so sitting there holding crazy. a gun. crazy, yeah. So the captain was like, you know, I don't like having a gun held to me, but this guy seemed pretty nice. Like, <laughs> so what the captain- I like him. I do. <laughs> and I love this. So yeah. what he says is, um, he says, you are a warrior. This is not the way a warrior dies. I'll wait for you in the parking lot. <laughs> like, I love this guy that this guy is literally holding you at gunpoint as a hostage. Yeah. And he's telling you he wants to die. And your first thought is not to run for your life. Your first thought is to tell him, hey, this is not how things end for you. Like, that is so sweet. <laughs> I don't I could sweeter do it. than I would have done. I yeah. Do it. I was just thinking I would have been like. I'm a go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so at 7.53 a.m., the captain walks off the boat 
And then SWAT comes in and arrests him. Good. So as a result of this, he was sentenced to 45 days in a psychiatric facility for evaluation. That was extended to 90 days. Okay. And then he was found competent to stand trial. So he pleads guilty to a couple of charges and he's sentenced to 20 months um, in prison. And then three years of supervised release. Okay. So during the supervised release, he had a bunch of uh, rules he had to follow. Very similar to um, our uh, Night Watcher with all the rules he had to follow. Uh Yeah. This guy had the same thing. He had drug tests he had to do. He had to go through substance abuse treatment and mental health counseling. Okay. I, you're going to be completely unsurprised by this. But mm-hmm. he violated his supervised release terms. No, <laughs> not James. He and he was sentenced to an additional six months in custody because he violated this. Well, it should have been a year. So when I found out um, as I was reading through other articles. So this <laughs> This is just funny. James was on the beach and he was reported as a suspicious person because he was looking for a boat to steal because he had kidnapped another woman and she had tricked him. She tricked him? Yes. How? So he he ended up in the hospital and he was faking seizures And it was this nurse's first day on the job and he was her first patient. And this guy, she was like so smitten with him. She didn't even notice he was faking the seizures. Oh, wow. How do you not notice that? And she's a nurse? Yeah. And it's her first day on the job. Girlfriend. So somehow he convinces this nurse to give him a ride somewhere else, which they're not supposed to do. Like, you're not supposed to get personally involved with your patients. Yeah. But for some reason, she is, like, literally blinded by this guy. So she starts to give him a ride. And while they're in the car, he convinces her that Navy police are chasing him because he's AWOL. What happened to the mafia? I, he didn't. He didn't use that you one. You know, with her? he had just used the mafia with Valerie. Maybe he was like, "I'm going to switch it up. Yeah. I'm going to switch it up now." So they were together for three days because she, he convinced her that they were going to be after her too. I don't know. I don't know. This nurse is smart, smart girl, because she starts playing along with him, and she <laughs> she says after three days, this girl like. This like bad bitch. Do you think because she knew that he was tricking her? She's like, oh, now I'm going to turn the tables on him. Yes. She was trying to get away from him. Oh, my God. She tells him. She tells him we're never going to be able to escape from them. We need to leave the United States. So what you need to do, you need to go and steal us a boat so we can go to the Cayman Islands where they can't get to us. (laughs) And James is like. James is like, yes, that's exactly what we need to do. So James was out looking to steal a boat (laughs) and the nurse escaped. And this is Uh, how James ended up on the yacht. Good for her. Yeah. That's right. You you turn it on them. This this dude, man. (laughs) 
<laughs> so now we're at 2002. James was involved in some kind of kidnapping scheme. This seems to be what his thing. He kidnaps. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of information available about this. I have seen rumors and very sporadic reporting. Okay. That indicate that it's related to helping a woman kidnap her children from their father. Oh, okay. I know he received three years from this. I know that she was exonerated of all charges a year later. I haven't seen any official documents. I I have seen a case number with a co-defendant listed. Okay. I don't know anything else and that's all I'm going to say about it. Okay. Yeah. I tried right. to find more information. The case number, if I feel like purchasing the public documents, I can. Uh-huh. Yeah. I really like you guys, but (laughs) we don't make any money doing this. Yeah. In 2013 and 2014, there's this really weird con that James tried to pull. I don't know what he was doing with this. So he was he was interviewed by this online publication. I'm very I'm just very neutral with calling them an online publication. You guys can find information on them if you want to. James spends an hour on video and this video is on YouTube (laughs) talking about his life and his past as an eco-terrorist. Oh my gosh, this guy. So he talks about how he wants to save the world. He talks about how he has a PhD and well, how yeah. he earned his PhD by studying blue crabs. <laughs> um, he talks about how he spent 20 years in solitary confinement. I don't know how that's possible. Uh, yeah, okay. I was like, okay. Now, I'm going to be completely honest and I'm going to tell you guys right now, I did not watch this video because... Yeah, I was going to ask you, did you watch it? Um, I, I skimmed through like I lit- probably all together. I watched two minutes of the video and uh-huh. that was like skimming through and watching a few seconds skim through watch a few seconds because I don't want to give this guy's lies any more attention because that's yeah. all he wants. Yeah. That's um, true. I'm only bringing this up because this kind of shows how convincing he can be that the people who owned this blog completely believed him. Wow. Every word. This guy is, has to be the most charming guy ever. Honestly. Yeah. At the same time, James also created his own online blog. It's a blog spot. It still wow. exists. He talks about this whole fake story of his early childhood and how his mom abused him and he ended up in a gang and he Jeez. ended up in juvenile detention where they abused him. And then he ended up like hitchhiking as a 14 year old and he has an imagination. I'll give him that. Yeah. Family members have said outright everything in this blog is a complete lie. Well, of course. So... I said before that the Unsolved Mysteries case with Valerie is not how I found this guy. This next story is how I I heard about him. Okay. So I'm going to tell you about a woman. Her name is Kira Moon. So Kira's story begins in 2007 
At the time, Kira was 50 years old and she lived in San Francisco. Oh. Kira was tiny. Like, so she was 5'8", which is actually relatively tall. Yeah, I was going to say But 115 pounds. Oh, okay. So she was very skinny. Yes. Tall, very slender. She's okay. uh, described as wiry many okay. times. Okay. Kira was working as a sculptor's assistant and part of her job included frequently carrying and lifting large pieces of bronze. So she's oh, wow. 50 she's years strong. old. Right. But she's 50 years old. She's very small. And so this ended up taking a toll on her body. It's really sad. One morning she said she woke up with her neck, back, shoulder, and half of her arm burning, buzzing, and numb. Oh, like, no. Excruciating pain. Yeah. So she seeks medical care. No one can tell her what's wrong. Ugh, At least that. not to her satisfaction. Yeah. So eventually, this is really sad. Kira had to use a motorized wheelchair to get around because that's how much pain she was in. Oh, that's sad. It is really sad. So she ends up unemployed because she can't carry anything anymore. She yeah. can't do her job. She ends up just barely surviving on disability checks. She paid $600 a month for a really crappy basement apartment. And she used that to also pay for her pain medication. Oh, that makes me sad. It's really sad. In 2016, she started working with a new doctor. And this new doctor just flat out refused to renew her oxycodone prescription. Well, that's kind of good, though. Well, okay, so yeah, we were talking, we've talked about in past episodes how difficult it is to get like the good stuff when it comes to medication. So it doesn't surprise me that, granted, this is 2016, and it was like 2007 when she started experiencing this pain. Yeah. So. And I guess I'm only assuming she's abusing it by hearing the the name. Do you know what I'm saying? And I think... um, I have a suspicion that her doctor thought she was addicted. Okay. And so that's why I say it doesn't surprise me that her doctor said, no, I won't give you anymore. It does make me really sad and really angry for her because how much pain does she have to be in to be taking this medication? So like for years and in a wheelchair, it just it makes me sad for the state that she was in. That's true. She had to have been in horrific pain. And the other part that kind of makes me angry is the doctor didn't give her anything. So she had to go through withdrawal cold turkey. Oh, that's sad. And she ended up self-medicating with a lot of red wine. Uh Uh-huh. But she made it through it. Good. Uh, She kept a personal blog. And she started after she made it out the other side of all the withdrawal symptoms and everything. She said she felt stronger mentally and physically. So I think maybe it was ultimately a good thing that her doctor decided to take her off the oxy. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. So around the time 2017 came around, Kira was really struggling to stand or sit for prolonged periods of time. Like it was still causing her a lot of pain. Mm-hmm. But that does leave one option to her. She could actually walk around really comfortably. Oh, good. So she ditched the wheelchair and she took hiking up as uh, an activity. Oh. And she enjoyed it. She loved hiking. There was a uh, 
a 10 mile loop near her house and she would go out and do it all the time. Oh, but that's nice. Yeah. So Kira did an interview with um, backpacker.com and she said that at this point in her life, she felt better, but she felt really unsettled and she just really just wanted a new life. And so she started dreaming of hiking the Pacific Crest Trail. I know that a lot of outdoorsy type people on the West Coast know what the Pacific Crest Trail is. But for those of us who are not outdoorsy and not on the West Coast, this is a massive trail that goes from the Mexican border in a little Californian town called Campo. Uh It goes all the way to Canada and it ends in Manning Park, British Columbia. Holy crap. The Pacific Crest Trail total length 2,661.4 miles. Easy. I could do that in a day. This is one of those trails that like even experienced hikers don't do. But some people will hike from the start to the finish. It takes months. But like this is a very difficult trail and Kira was like I'm going to do it. Good for her. So um, Kira had this kind of unofficial son from a previous relationship of hers and his name was Jason. She had been present in a lot of Jason's childhood and they actually remained close as they got older. And Jason kind of thought that she was crazy. He was like, this is an insanely hard trail. You're not ready for this. But Kira was like, I'm ready for it. Help me get this going. So Jason sets up a GoFundMe and they raised a little over $800 to get her some gear. How nice. Yeah, really sweet. And like this is, I think this is the first thing, I think this is the first thing that she could really like look forward to in a long time. Yeah, she's been through a lot. Now she wants to do this. That's nice. Yeah. So March 18th, 2017, Kira sets out to hike the trail. And Kira even said in that backpacker.com interview, she said, I was not ready. But I th- she thought that the trail would lead her to a new life with new people in a new place. She was right in the worst possible way. But she went into this with really good intentions. Good. Well, not good because I probably know what happens. But good for Kira. Yes. Um... Obviously, you can tell Kira was not prepared for this at all. For the trail? She was not prepared for the trail. Fellow hikers who were doing the Pacific Crest Trail noted that Kira was actually really smart when it came to, like, food and water. She did not even know how to set up her tent. And I guess there was one night she set up her tent and she had to get up and use the bathroom uh-huh. and she got confused and she couldn't even find her way back to her tent. She ended up sleeping oh. in the bathroom that night. Oh, Kira. Yeah. So this is really sweet. And I think they call them trail angels. Uh-huh. But a couple of hikers kind of like took her under their wing and they're like, we'll hike with you for a few days. Oh, gosh. So I love when people cute. do that. And, you know, I have no heart, but for some reason, like, when I hear things like that, I'm like, yes, thank you. So they, I guess, I didn't know this was a thing, but I guess with, like, really hardcore hikers, you actually, like, get a trail name. 
And so oh. Kira got the trail name Steel or Steel Magnolia. Most people just called her, her Steel. And it's because of her shoes. She oh. wore these really distinctive stainless steel metal slippers. That doesn't sound comfortable at all. She On a loved trail? Them. She loved What? Them. That is weird. But they were good hiking shoes for her. She wore them all the time. And everyone knew her as Steel, which I think okay. is so cute. That's, like, that's how you know you're like welcome into a community when they give you a name. Like yeah, that. yeah. That is cute. But I'm still struggling to mentally picture these steel metal slippers. Are they saying like the shoe, the bottom of the shoe was metal? No, like the top. Almost like chainmail mesh. Okay. But these the super distinctive shoes, um, she loved them. They were comfortable. She liked them because they were different. But I think this also is a testament to how unprepared she was for this trail. Well, well, I mean, you think when I think of that long of a trail, I'm not thinking of wearing steel slippers. And I think slippers might be loose. When I hear slippers, I think of like house shoes like the the yeah. kind of slippers that like only cover the front half of your foot I think these were like slip on shoes oh okay you know what I was just looking it up and there's these chain link or chain mail running shoes and trail shoes that that look like chain link shoes that are supposed to be good that's probably what it and I know that she preferred them because they were kind of like eclectic they weren't just yeah. shoes. They're steel slippers. That's what they're called. But it's picture chain link, you know, um, but really small. And then with ties on the front and it just like slips on your shoe or on your foot. Yeah, that sounds like what they're describing. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Okay. So for the first hundred miles or so. This one specific group of people hiked with her, which I think is so cute. Like that is cute. They just want to take care of her. Um, they did know that she was struggling. She was very weak, and she actually ended up hitchhiking the last little bit into the town of Julian. Uh huh. Julian is actually one of the stops along the trail. It's right around mile seventy-seven, so she made it a good distance by herself, yeah. though. Yeah, she did. On March 27th, Kira signed a logbook for a restaurant in Julian called Carmen's Garden. Uh huh. This was well known as a hiker friendly restaurant. Okay. This is where she meets James. Ugh. At the time, he went by either Jay or Jim. Or asshole. I wish. But okay. No. His trail name was Medic. <laughs> yeah what I'm not going to outline every detail of their time together I will put a link in the podcast notes for the timeline that was put together by Brandy 666 uh -huh. because she was so thorough okay and I'll tell you in a little bit who she was but okay she's so thorough I'm so impressed with the amount of information she got on this timeline okay so I will give you kind of an overview of Kira and James' time together. So uh, just for clarification, th they met 
they Kira met at at a at a restaurant for hikers. Yes. Or basically or known where hikers like to go. Yes. Okay. They they set off together. And like I said, this is a massive overview because honestly, I could do a full episode on just this, just James and Kira. Okay. And wow. it's it's a lot and I I don't want to leave anything out, but there's too much for me to go into. How old is James at this point, by the way? Uh, he was born in 66. So I think he was uh, early 60s, I believe. Okay. So they're around the same yes, age. They're, okay. They're right around the same age. And was, was James hiking as well on this trail? He or was, was. he just at the restaurant? Okay. He so was. he was. Okay. He, so he was hiking. But he also did IT work for a couple of places along the trail. Okay. So, really predictably, James kidnapped Kira. Of course. He beat her repeatedly. Uh. He sexually assaulted her repeatedly. Uh. Um, there was one point where he actually beat her so badly she had four broken ribs. So are they still going along this trail? Yes. Like he, so he, so when they meet, he's had to have charmed her somehow so that she goes with them. And they're probably, he's probably used a story so that she stays with them. So. I'm just he, not understanding how she's with him. Kira is not prepared to be hiking alone. Okay, so she needs James is a big, strong man, and he's willing to stop and take care of her. Remember, his trail name is Medic. Okay. He tells people outwardly that he was, he tells some people Navy, some people Army, some people Marines. Okay. He says that he was a Navy SEAL. He said he was a combat medic. There are so many people... On this timeline that Brandy put together that describe James and they yeah. they call him medic because these are journals from hikers. So they're like medic literally saved a man on the trail the other day. Like this man, he got airlifted away. Medic saved his life. I watched him do it. And like people, James is able to just like trick these people. That's crazy. And they're what's really What's really interesting to see is there's a website where hikers will keep journals of their hike on the Pacific Crest Trail. Like they'll okay. keep a daily journal of this is who I encountered today. This is the, the span that I hiked today. There are two separate journals from two separate people that mention Steel and Medic together. Oh, wow. And it's so interesting to see these people just passively mention Medic and Steel in these journals as like someone they encountered that day. Like it, it just reminds me of as you're going about your day, how many times are you passing by someone who is an absolute fucking nut job? Yeah. And you're just like writing in your journal. Yep. Came across this guy today and his wife's deal. That's so crazy. And you miss that. But James was telling people that he was married to Kira. Oh, you missed that. I did. So 
So, um, well, I'm so used to his lies. I'm like, makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. So, <laughs> James threatened to kill Kira and oh. her family if she didn't do exactly what he wanted. James stole the SIM card from Kira's phone and he wouldn't let her contact her family. Well, I'm pretty, is, are, is her family getting concerned? Are they? I'll get there. Okay. When, when Jim did give the SIM card back, he would literally sit there and tell Kira what to say. Oh. So the family was still getting messages from Kira, but I, I get the feeling based on this timeline they put together, they didn't think it was her. Yeah. It was just, it did not sound like her. That's so sad. So like I said James was operating he called himself medic. He said that he was a millionaire, but his money was tied up in escrow because he had just sold his mansion and he Ugh. was hiking the tra- the trail just to like bide time. Yeah, of course. He told people that he and Kara were married. Um he said they were married for 5 years. Like and she's just going along, well, I guess, because she's threatened. And and she's being beat by him regularly. Yeah, yeah. Um, she said that she played along because she needed to earn his trust. She needed well, him to believe that she was there willingly. It's just, it is so sad. Yeah, it is very sad. In June, um, now they met in March. This is June. James used Kira's money to buy her a cheap ass ring so that she could look like his real partner. She texted a picture to her son, Jason Uh and said, Hey, we're engaged. I wonder what Jason thought about that. Um, the family is getting increasingly concerned. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like Like, over, over the uh... summer, like I don't, I don't know exactly when they started this, but they started putting out missing posters and they were like, please tell us if you see this woman. And yeah. so people were contacting them. And that's where some of this stuff on the timeline comes from is people contacting them over Facebook and text message saying, hey, I saw them here on this day. This is what was going on. I saw them here on this day. This is what was going on. Um, now, Brandy, the person who actually put this timeline together, she was Jason's girlfriend. And uh, Brandy oh. Brandy is like a badass. Oh, wow. Because Brandy... So all this information about uh, James holding that, that yacht hostage, uh, kidnapping those kids for the woman, like all of this came from this timeline. Oh, nice. Wow. She's like an investigator. She did a great job. I cannot like, honestly, she found stuff that I can't find. Oh, wow. I want to talk to Brandy. Good for her. So, yeah. Um, So Brandy was very vocal. I actually found her with the same username on Reddit Uh telling people I am looking for Kira because um, actually I wasn't going to mention this, but I will now. Someone shared a very poorly written article on Reddit saying, uh-huh. Hey, have you guys heard about this? And it was while Kira was still missing. Oh. And a bunch of Reddit commenters were like, um, 
this isn't even from a news website. This looks like somebody who doesn't know what they're talking about. They're like, do you have any sources for any of this? Brandy comes on and she's like, I'm going to tell you all right now. I know this woman personally. All of this is real and we are looking for her. Yeah. So like she she worked hard to yeah. find Kira. Well, and that's probably a testament too to how much Kira meant to Jason. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And that's just it. So Brandy, what happened was um, Jason noticed that Kira's messages were getting increasingly cold. They were coming less frequently. It was probably just, they were, just not sounding like Kira yeah. at all. And they were very dismissive. It was, I think at one point, um, something she said was like, a, you're not even my son, so like, why do you care? Oh, that's sad. And that's that's just it. Jason was like, I thought we had this great relationship. I've known you for almost my entire life. And Brandy, the girlfriend, was like, fuck no, this isn't Kira. I'm going to find this yeah. guy. yeah. And so she was the one who found out that he's going by Jay, I think is what he was going as. She was like, Mm -hmm. she found out his name was James. She found out all these alias he uses. She found out everything. Wow. Good for her. Yeah. So in August, um, this is, I mean, Brandy has a Facebook page going saying, help us find Kira. So there's an active search going on. They're actively looking. They're trying to find Kira. Okay. Around the same time, James takes Kira off the Pacific Crest Trail and moves her to the California Coastal Trail. Okay. Which is another very, very big trail. But I think that Jason saw the group and he needed to separate Kira. Yeah. He's running. Very good at running. Yeah. Yeah. So Kira said... During this time, he was getting increasingly desperate. He was getting manic. And it was to the point where they were, like, not even hiking anymore. It was like they were just hiding in the woods. Yeah. And they would hitchhike back and forth to different cities. Now, I'm telling you, they were gone for months. Like, she met him in March. We're talking about August right now. They bounced back and forth in the same 100 miles of the Pacific Crest Trail this whole time. Oh, wow. Just back and forth. People saw them in the same couple of cities over and over and over, a couple days apart. Um, They would go off trail, which isn't completely abnormal. But at one point, I think Kira sent a photo of one of their camps. And one of the people who knows the Pacific Crest Trail, like the back of their hand was like, that's not the Pacific Crest Trail. They're like, I don't, I don't care if they're on trail or off trail. That's not the Pacific Crest Trail. And so I think that's how they know that he went to the California Coastal Trail. Okay. So essentially they would literally just like hide in the trees all day long. And Uh he would just sit there watching porn on his phone Oh, and just rant about how he hated people. And then like they would be going on one plan like, okay, going to bed at night, like, okay, tomorrow we're going to go here and do this. They'd wake up in the morning and James would be like, nope, we're not doing that. We're doing this. And it it was just he was. He sounds like a 
a dream to be with. It, that's Kira actually said that she was like, I was obviously I was afraid of the physical violence, but uh-huh. I was also like tortured by the fact that I was stuck with him. Yeah, that must be just and not being able to. Yeah. Yeah. And just being afraid to mm-hmm. try and get away. So Kira was very clear in this interview she did with Backpacker.com. She said, I did not forget who I was for a minute. I knew that I was a strong person. I knew that I could fight. I also knew that I couldn't, like, she couldn't fight against him. But she was just kind of, like, biding her time, waiting for an opportunity. And in a way, that's really smart, you know? Yeah, and she just pretended. She was like, I played the part of a meek and mild person because I wanted him to think that I was complacent, I wasn't going anywhere, and that made him trust her. Yeah. So what would happen is he would actually like leave her alone at certain Good. points because he knew she wouldn't go anywhere. Because he trusted her, yeah. Uh-huh. So what happened is they would go to this Safeway in town to grab food um, once a week-ish. So one day they go to Safeway. He leaves her in Starbucks just to hang out while he shops. She timed him. And he was gone getting food eight minutes. So she was like. She's smart. Yeah. So five five days later, September 26th, they go back. He leaves her alone. She knows she has eight minutes to get away. Wow. And so she runs out the door. Good for her. And she said initially her first thought was run out the door and run into traffic. She's like, I don't care if I get hit. I'm going to get someone to stop and they're going to help me. Yeah. She gets to the parking lot and she actually sees an urgent care. Oh, nice. So she runs to the urgent care. She goes right to the front desk. They call 911 and they come and they arrested James as he was coming out of. Oh, good. Yeah, I was. I was hoping you would say that. I thought he was going to get away again. No. So they got him. Nice. So I have kind of, um, I've avoided saying most of the names involved in most of these stories because people have asked to remain anonymous. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say this guy's name because he deserves to be called out. Okay. The detective working the case was named Javier Galvin. Uh-huh. This guy fucking dropped the ball. Oh, oh God. What happened? He interviewed Kira and... He told her, like, hey, we're going to need to take your backpack as evidence for this. And he never spoke to her again. He what? never He never took her backpack as evidence. Um, he never requested her medical records because, you know, she'd been beaten many times. She'd been in the hospital. Yeah. Like, we know that she had four broken ribs from one of those uh, beatings. Because she went to the hospital and she had broken ribs. So then what happened to James? They released him. Shut up. Javier Galvin. Galvin? Galvan. Galvan? Galvin? Javier never spoke to a single witness who saw them on the trail. Is he still a detective? Hell if I know. He shouldn't be. I hope not. He never spoke. So he never spoke to any of the trail angels, the people who hiked with Kira and medic. There was this whole thing 
I don't want to get into it because honestly, I'm really confused about what happened. There's yeah. this whole thing with a fire on the trail where James ended up taking some kind of lead in helping firefighters. Okay. Um, no one involved in that ever spoke to Javier. Um, none of the witnesses who saw James and Kira together. Javier never con- contacted any of them. Javier didn't speak to a single damn person. So what did he, what is he, what did he do? Nothing? Apparently. Ah, uh, that's mad. I'm like, I'm fired up about this. I can tell. The, the author of the article for backpacker.com. And I wish I had written down their name because they did a really good job on this article. Um, they, they actually contacted this the I think it was the Monterey Bay Police Department asking why did no one ever speak why did Javier never speak to anyone what happened and they they didn't say anything but they said officially the case is still open and that's why they couldn't say anything consultants from other police agencies have said that you know they might say that the investigation is still open but they're not investigating. It doesn't sound like they're investigating. It doesn't sound like they're trying. And they said that these outside consultants um, who were just giving their two cents said that it looked like they saw Kira as an unreliable witness and they thought they would not win in court. So they just didn't pursue it. Oh my gosh. It's just, it's infuriating. That's ridiculous. Yeah. So as of 2019, when this article came out, investigation was still open. Nothing ever came of it. What's really sad is that in February of 2019, Kira died in a fire. Oh, really sad. That is sad. And James was never convicted for what he did to her. Oh, that's really sad. And I have to put this in there because I don't want James coming after me because the (laughs) Pacific Crest Trail does come through Washington. I have to put a disclaimer here. Allegedly. Because he was never convicted. Allegedly. He did these things to Kira. Okay. That's my disclaimer. Well, and I just... I was just looking at the Monterey uh, Police Department. Is he still there? No, he's not. Okay, he might be somewhere else. Yeah, he's definitely not a detective or a officer or sergeant there. Okay. Right now. Well, so that kind of leads me to saying how I found out about this James William Perillo. Um, I'm in a couple of local hiking groups and uh-huh. there were sightings of him recently. So oh, even, wow. even now in 2021, people share this guy's photo everywhere and they say, hey, we saw him here. They're like, watch out. Or, you know, yeah. he was just sighted here. Look out. I, I hope they have his picture all over the place out there. Well, what's surprising is there's people who still don't know about this guy. So yeah. I saw recently... Um, he was sighted on March 12th, 2021, in Big Sur, California. Okay. He could be anywhere by now, but just yeah. telling people that's the last official place that someone said they saw him. In the comments on this post, 
someone was like, oh, I think I rented a campsite to this guy a few days ago. I didn't know wow. any of this. And they were like, um, they're like, he seemed like such a nice guy. But like now that they saw a photo of him, they're like, this is definitely that guy. And I'm going to watch out for him. He was such a nice guy. He was running from the mafia and um, asked me to marry him. But I had plans. So I said but, no. So I it's just hikers are they're not stupid. There's so yeah. much that go in like hardcore hikers because there's yeah. so much that goes into personal safety when you're hiking. Yeah. And preparing for long hikes and food and water and planning. It's not a stupid people sport. <laughs> I know that sounds horrible to say. Yeah. But no, there's a lot that goes into it. And you're just you're on high alert when you're out in the woods. The fact that this guy can charm so many people yeah, in this community. It's just crazy. It is crazy. So if people see this guy, should they just call the police? Are the police going to know? Like, So the thing is, because he's not a wanted criminal, the oh. police can't do anything. Yeah. I did. So I guess the only thing is just don't. Be aware. Listen, yeah, be aware. Don't listen to him. Um, And that, like, I think some people are like, if he has someone with him, find a way to help them. Make sure that you're not leaving him alone with someone. Um, don't let a random female go off with him. If you see him at a restaurant, like talking up some woman, find an excuse yeah. to get him away from her. Seriously. Um, I did see someone mention that he was physically escorted out of a national park by police recently. Okay. I don't know why. Okay. So, huh. I mean, you can try calling the police, but officially he was he was never convicted of the things he did to valerie and he was never convicted for the things he did to kira see you would think that there's enough information in both of those cases alone to convict him of something right false imprisonment um you know whatever kidnapping sexual assault rape oh yeah yeah i guess the moral of the story assault i just it is People don't listen <laughs> to these weird stories and then go with somebody. Ugh. Yeah, it's just don't go hiking well, alone. Exactly. He's like, gonna you mess need up. Someone fatter and slower than you for the bears at the very <laughs> least. <laughs> well, this guy is gonna mess up again. I mean Obviously. And now I mean he has an entire he has like the hiking community is one big family. They take care of each other. And he has angered the hiking mafia. Good. So they I are highly, out for him. I highly doubt he's going to get out back on that trail, though. I mean, I, I don't think Big Sur is on the Pacific Crest Trail, but he's seen on the Pacific Crest Trail. Interesting. Like he still hikes that trail. I don't understand, like, why he wouldn't like go to the Appalachians. Yeah, I'm not I'm not encouraging him to go and terrorize the East Coast, but Crystal, he can't. The mafia will find <laughs> him. <laughs> oh, man. Well, that's a good one. I'm glad you brought awareness to this guy. Yeah. So I just I really wanted to because the weather's getting nicer. It's getting yeah. warmer. Good More call. people are going in the woods. I just I want to make sure 
And especially with summer coming up, there's a lot of people that will take the summer months to hike the length of the trail. Just please keep your eye out for this guy. Make sure that you're communicating with your fellow hikers that, hey, I saw this guy. Just keep each other safe. Yeah. Good call. I like it. It's just insane. Yeah. But like I said, I will will post that timeline that Brandy put together because there's so much that happened that I could not even get into. It's it's a lot. That that yeah, that that's crazy. That yeah. all could be a movie, basically. Honestly, like a lifetime movie, it really should. Yeah, be. exactly. <laughs> but well, yeah, be careful out there, guys. That's my Don't warning for to all James. Of you. Yeah. Thank and, you. Um I I do want to say like just he goes by a million different names. Um He'll well, use, we'll have his picture though. Too. I'll have his picture. Um, yeah, it's yeah. Just, he's he's pretty distinctive looking. Um, so and people immediately are like, "Yep, that's this guy." So, yeah, yeah, just yeah. Stay I looked safe up, out there. I looked up a few pictures. He is pretty, pretty. You, you can't miss him. You, 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 you can't miss him. Yeah. So that's all that I got for you guys. Thank you. Yep. We'll uh, see you next time. Yeah. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> keep keep sharing us with your friends. We appreciate yes. it. Our downloads kind of are going crazy right now, which oh, makes, good. makes me happy. That makes me happy, too. Yep. Nice. Yep. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook. I'd say TikTok. I, I haven't put something up in a good long time. I just don't understand it. You guys I, I don't get it. I am actually mad that because you got on TikTok, I had to get on TikTok so I could see it. And now you're addicted. And oh my gosh, I fall into TikTok holes all the time. And it is, it, I, I need to stop. I need to stop. It's hard. It's hard to get out. It's hard to get out of the TikTok hole. I don't know what to do. It's okay. Um, I kind of hate you for it, but at the same time, I'm like, I really like TikTok. (laughs) Uh, Um, All right. I got to get on TikTok right now. (laughs) We'll see you next time. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.